Welcome to the Grace Fellowship Church of Ephrata podcast. Our desire is to help you grow in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are. For more information, please check out our website at www.gfchurch.net. So this morning, we're going to start into a new series for the next couple of weeks, and we're going to take a look at the book of Philippians and take pieces from it. Let me encourage you, Philippians is a short book. Over the next, I think it's six weeks we have this that we are going to be going through, I want to encourage you to take at least a chapter a week. You may say, Dan, that's like four weeks, and this is going six weeks. Well, then read through another chapter again, uh, and so on. One that really impacts you. I want to encourage us as a church to be spending time in the book of Philippians as we look at parts of the book of Philippians. Uh, we are going to start today uh, in this, uh, and I'm calling this Joy from Prison. If you know the context of the book of Philippians, you would know why uh, this is called Joy from Prison, but I will talk about that in just a moment. Uh, I looked back at a couple of my old stories that I've saved and have been wondering when God would allow me to use it, and one of them is today, and that is uh, that there was a, a study made in Yale University several years ago about the intensity of experiences that we have when we are surrounded by people. Things are more intense when we are surrounded, especially when it's friends and family that are surrounding us. Uh, this is why when we go to a sports event, we want to be surrounded by fellow fans, if you're a sports fan. It's different when you're in your living room watching the Eagles win uh, because they win a lot. Uh, it's hard when you're sitting there and you're cheering and you're by yourself. It's totally different when you're in a room full of other fans, right? Y'all know it's a lot more intense. There's also something to be said about the intensity that happens when we go through tough times. There is something that is powerful when we are surrounded by people going through difficult times that maybe makes things a little bit better. But when you are surrounded by people who complain, it can actually make things really, really worse. Yale, in their study, the way that they discovered this was they, set, they got a group of people in a room and they gave them some chocolate. And they said, okay, we want everyone to take a piece of chocolate, eat it, and tell us what you think about it. And these people were in there, and they're like, oh, this is great. And, and they were feeding off of each other. And, and so when they did their analysis at the end of it, they were like, this is the best chocolate we've ever had in our life. And then they gave them some bitter chocolate. And they ate the bitter chocolate. And all of them was like, this is horrible. Has anyone ever had like 95% bitter chocolate before? Yeah, I made that mistake. It's horrible. Uh, and they're in there as a group eating this. And they're like, oh, this is the worst thing we've ever tasted. And they did their evaluation. Sure enough, they said it was the worst chocolate they've ever been tasted. Then they took them all one by one, gave them the exact same chocolate, though they did not tell them that. And when they ate the really good chocolate, they were like, well, it's, it's good. Yeah, you know, it's good. But it's not as good as the one that we had when we were with that group. And the same thing when they had the bitter chocolate again. Exact same experience. It wasn't nearly as bad. There is something about having people surrounding us that makes our experiences more intense. This is very true. This is why we need one another uh, to get through times, though, too. Uh, there's something about being surrounded by people that makes movies we see better and games we see better. Is there something about traveling with people that makes it better when they aren't complaining? Mainly when your children grow up, when you're traveling and they're not complaining about, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Okay, you get the idea. I don't need to go back through that. I might cause some problems here. Um, 
Who we surround ourselves with plays a big role in these experiences. Today, we're going to take a look at chapters, or, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11 of Philippians and see how who you surrounded yourself with tends to enhance your experience and how that impacts how we even look back in our life, maybe in a tough experience that we went through, because we're going to see this in Paul's life. Uh, so if you want to take a look uh, at uh, first, or Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, uh, I want to set it up this way and give you a little bit of the background of the city of Philippi that this was written to. Uh, number one, Philippi was named after Alexander the Great's dad, Philip of Macedon. Uh, he named, it was named that back in about 355 BC. Rome eventually took it over, but even after Rome took it over, they kind of liked the name, so they let it stick around. One thing that also happened when Rome took over Philippi and made it one of its districts was it became basically a retirement community for soldiers. Uh, Caesar decided that he wanted to send retired soldiers there because it would be easier to control and he didn't have to send current soldiers there. You're going to not have a lot of uprising against Rome when a whole bunch of former Roman soldiers are living there. Uh, not only that, there was a couple other things about it. Uh, we know that uh, even as we see a little bit in this book, that women had a significant role in Philippi. They were basically almost equal with men there. They were successful. They were business-minded. We know this because the church in Philippi, uh, one of the starting people with it was Lydia. And Lydia, it even says that she was a person who sold purple cloth. She was well-to-do businesswoman. And she even started the church. The church would meet on her house, which gives you the indication it must have been a sizable house. She was very successful. And you see this throughout the history of Philippi, that women were given this higher uh, equality in this city uh, than maybe in other areas of the Roman Empire or even in Israel. Philippi was a successful city. It was a booming city. And Acts 16 tells us a lot about the background story. You can read that as well. Acts 16 tells you about when Paul and Silas go to Philippi and how this church even began. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it's important for us to see the story about this town that this book was written to. Paul is writing this from a Roman jail. The emperor at the time, Caesar at this time, was a guy named Nero. Heard of him? Really nice guy. Really, really nice guy. A guy who lit his gardens by lighting believers on fire to light his garden. He was savage. He was a horrible man. And now Paul sits in Nero's prison, chained to a guard, and not just any guard. He's chained to, we know, some of the higher up guards, the Praetoria. These were significant People, which showed you the level of threat that Paul had worked himself up to against the Roman Empire. When you're getting the high-level soldiers that you're chained to in prison, that's pretty bad. There's something about you they see a threat in. Paul writes this around 60 to 62 AD, chained to a guard. He writes to this church that he was a part of starting, Philippi. We get a hint, as we will see a little bit today, that the church in Philippi was also dealing with persecution. Paul was being persecuted. But through some of the things that we hear throughout this book, we get the idea that he saw them as something that's a key word this morning, partners. Because they too were being persecuted. 
Let's take a verse, start, or look at starting at verse 3. We'll take this a little bit at a time. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you, Church of Philippi. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. You give me joy when I pray for you. Because of your what? Partnership. Don't miss that. That's important. Partnership with the gospel from this day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul begins to write this letter. It's been years since he was actually at Philippi. And as he begins to write it, when he thinks about this church, it brings joy to his heart. The believers that he remembers back then, it gives him great anticipation, we learn, to even pray for them. He loves to pray for them. They are a sweet memory to him. Now, if you look back at Acts chapter 16, there were some not-so-sweet moments there when he first went to Philippi. In fact... He was beaten with rods when he was there. He was thrown into jail with Silas, and they sang. And Silas' singing was so bad that the gates sprung open. It's a joke. Okay, that wasn't it. They were singing, and this is where you have the interaction with them with the Philippian jailer who's about to take his own life because he thinks all the prisoners have left. And this is where all of this happened. This was not necessarily a pleasant experience. I don't know too many people that want to be beaten with rods, but there was something about Philippi that when Paul thought back to it, it was like, oh yeah, I was beaten with rods and thrown in prison. That wasn't really pleasant, but he always remembered the good stuff. People complain because on social media these days, whenever you look at somebody, we'll say Instagram, which is all pictures and people post pictures. When they look at it, they're like, do you all ever have a bad day? Because all we ever put up are all the wonderful pictures, all the happy pictures, the food that we're eating, the places we're visiting, our children laughing. We don't have an Instagram where they're screaming and telling us that we're unfair and we're the worst parents in the world and why am I eating this again and tomatoes are evil and all of this. We don't have that Instagram. We only do the Instagram moments, the positive, the happy, the joyful. And there's something... There's something about this that Paul's sort of going through this because he's forgotten what was nasty, but he's remembering what was beautiful about them. He says that I have joy because of our partnership. Now, this word here, koinonia, or koinonia, uh, a Greek word, means fellowship. We use it for fellowship, but it means a little bit something more than just, hey, we were really good friends. It means that they were partners. He saw them as equals, ones that were going through exactly what he was going through. Where is he sitting right now? Jail, prison. He's sitting in prison, and yet he says, you're my partner in the gospel. You're going through what I'm going through. This is one of those indications that the church of Philippi was being persecuted. Persecuted for what? They were preaching in the city and seeing people come to Christ, and he viewed them as partners. It says that he who began, uh, if you could go back up to the verse, he who began a good work, that good work is of salvation. That good work, though, is sanctification as well in their life, that God is going to continue, Church of Philippi, to save, to sanctify, and going to continue to give you the ability to serve. And we see that Paul has this wonderful heart for these people. 
Which brings us to the first point this morning. Partnership thrives around the mission. Partnership thrives around the mission. He saw them as partners. They were doing exactly what he was doing. He was preaching, and he was getting in trouble for it. And he sees them as people who are preaching, and they're getting in trouble for it. They were united, not in rabble-rousing. They were united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was most important to them, and whatever it cost, we will do it. When you are united with people around a mission, you grow very close to them. There's a reason why army veterans and war veterans and military veterans will cling to one another. They view some of the ones that they fought with in war as their brothers and their, their sisters because they just went through a mission and they went through horrible things together. And they see each other as partners, as fellowship. They have a deeper level of fellowship than we may ever understand unless we have gone through that same thing. Partnership thrives around mission. Paul knew this, and the church of Philippi knew it because they were both going through the same experience of persecution for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they were fellowshipping over this exact same common mission. Verse 7 goes on. It says, Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains, as he was, or defending and confirming the gospel, as he did often, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, you go to a liberal seminary, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, um, they tend to bash pretty hard on Paul. He's a misogynist, he's a male chauvinist, he's a jerk, he's mean, he's cruel, and maybe you even had that perspective because Paul is pretty, he's cut and dry, okay? He, he's the guy that if you have something on your cheek, you're out to the restaurant and there's something on your cheek, he'll tell you it, and he'll tell you just how dumb you look, okay? He was very blunt with his words. The reason I point this out is this is interesting. We get a side of Paul with this that doesn't get as much attention. I feel this way about you, Church of Philippi. I long for all of you. I want to be there with you. There is an affection, a deep affection in his heart that he has built up for this church, that he invested time in. And he says that we are all partnering, again, sharing in God's grace. This God's grace is the grace of salvation, but this grace also very well, commentators think, maybe indicating, again, a level of the persecution that they were going under. And he says, we're sharing in God's grace together. You're being persecuted, I'm being persecuted. We're on the same mission, we're going around it. And you know what? There's something about that that means something to us. Because the second thing this morning is that partnership grows affection. It grows affection. I can think back through years of ministry that I had, and there were difficult times where God would bring uh, one of my mentors who was a, a pastor, a youth pastor, into my life, and they would encourage me, and it built our relationship stronger. I knew that person understood what I was going through, and it built our affection for one another. Some of us are not the most affectionate people, but let me say this. Affection has very much a place in the church. Now, I'm not saying go around and greet each other with a holy kiss, okay? But I am saying there should be affection in this church for one another, a care for one another. If we are serving the same mission, if we are all about the gospel of Jesus Christ that unites us, we should be close to one another. 
Paul goes on, verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says, this is my prayer. You want to know all those prayers I said that I'm joyful about? This is my prayer for all of you, Church of Philippi. Notice what he doesn't say that he prays for. Hey, Philippi, you're being persecuted, so I'm going to pray for your protection and that God will deliver you from the persecution you're undergoing. Now, I'm not saying that Paul didn't pray for that, but that wasn't his biggest concern. His biggest concern was here. My prayer is this, that your love may abound for one another. Your affection may grow for each other more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Knowledge of each other, knowledge of God, and depth of insight. Understanding between one another. What does this mean for you as a church? If we are partners in the gospel, you and I, not only is our affection growing, not only are we united on mission, but we need to begin to understand people we strongly disagree with. There are people in here you disagree with on any number of matters. You pick one. We've been through enough in the last couple of years to have a whole bunch. If they are your brothers and sisters, we need to grow in our love for each other and our knowledge and depth of insight, our understanding of one another. We need to take the time rather than throwing somebody out because we disagree with them or saying they don't know what they're talking about to understand where they're coming from. We have not done well as the American church with this. We've become more divided. Yet Paul's prayer for Philippi was you need to get even closer with one another. Differences amongst you, you need to set them aside. You need to get involved in the body of Christ and love one another, seek others' benefit, and love them. And he also says this phrase here, to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless here. This is talking about their motives. That your motives for each other, your motives of working together, your motives of being a part of this partnership are right and true. That people don't have the uh, ability to look at you and say, well, I don't know. I think they're probably up to something and I don't trust them. That's what he's saying. You need to make it that there is no reason to question that, that your motives are pure and blameless. People can't sit there and be suspicious of you. And we would be filled with this fruit of righteousness, a righteous living that it would be coming out of our life. And this leads us to the third uh, main thing about partnership this morning is that partnership encourages participation. Participation in the body of Christ. You do not have an option. If you call yourself a Christian today, this is your family. Like it or not, this is your family. And we better participate in this body. Jump in with both feet to serve one another, to love one another, and to not be on the outskirts, just maybe casually tasting church. We need to participate in it. The point this morning is this. A church partnered on mission, as we saw earlier, which Paul viewed the church in Philippi, is unstoppable, it's unbreakable, and it's irresistible. If we as a church, just like Paul and Philippi, 
are partnered in the gospel of Jesus Christ, making sure we talk about the fact that we're a church of the community, on the move in the community until, until we reach all the community for Christ. I keep reiterating that. If we are all on mission, every single one of us, that is a partnership with one another. And when we are partnered on that mission, we are unstoppable. Does it mean we have setbacks as a church from time to time? You can say it. Yes, we do. But we are unstoppable because of God's work amongst us, that we go forth and we do what he calls us to, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Too often we aren't even offensive enough for Satan to pay any attention to us. We're too safe. It's unstoppable, it's unbreakable. When you go through things as a church, when you are partnered on that same mission and we come together in that deep affection for one another, you are unbreakable as a church. Difficulty and hardship we may face. And Satan cannot break us. Because we are one with one another and we love one another and we have grown in unity with one another. And lastly, it's irresistible. Think about this. The church grew more and more when it was undergoing persecution than when it was free. When they were undergoing persecution, when people had to make up their mind, am I going to be a Christian? Because I hear a lot of them kind of like get thrown into prison and maybe fed to lions. I don't know too many people today that would be like, sign me up. Man, that's what I'm in for. And yet the church thrived underneath that. It grew, even though the resistance was as strong as it was. There was something irresistible about the bond and relationship and the love that the church had for one another that people that were grossly lost and didn't believe in Jesus were like, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, I know what's coming with it. I want to be a part of that. Is our church irresistible? Do people in our area... Say, man, what do they have? Because I want to be a part of that. I close with three challenges for us. If this is all true, partnering in the gospel, if we are a church on mission, if we are a church that is growing in affection for one another, I need to challenge some of us this morning very directly. Number one, I need some of us to begin to engage in mission as a church. Engage in mission as a church. I want to specifically say if you have attended a long time and haven't looked at becoming a member, let's stop dating one another. Let's put the ring on the finger and get married, okay? That's a little weird. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> let's make a commitment, okay? If you are in agreement that we want to be a church of the community, on the move in the community until we reach all the community for Jesus Christ, then it's time to let's become members. Let's step up. Because to me, membership says I'm a person that agrees with the direction of this church, the mission of this church, and I want to be a part of it. And not just that I get a fancy t-shirt with that on it. I'm in. Consider engaging deeper in the mission of this church. Those of you that have maybe not become members yet. Number two is commit to your church family to make a deeper level of commitment to your church family here. And what I mean by that is not just showing up on Sunday. That's easy. Anyone could do that. Everyone in Lancaster County, it seems, does that, okay? Except for the ones that are walking on the walking trail behind us that we need to be reaching, by the way. Um, here's what I mean. We need to get closer and more authentic with one another. If you are 
just come in in enough time to sit down, sing some songs, hear Dan run his mouth for 30 minutes, and then leave and never interact with one another, you're missing out on the church family. It's going to need authentic relationship with one another. In the fall, I'm hoping to start one or two small groups to start that. Maybe you're already part of a Bible study. Fine, that's great. Maybe you're coming on Wednesday night for prayer meeting, and that's sort of your small group type experience. Great. Some of us, though, are still on the fringe, and we are afraid or we're intimidated or whatever. We have any number of excuses for ever being really authentic with people. But it's that authenticity that draws us closer to one another. Number three is to support the needs around you. Support the needs around you. Serve in big ways, serve in small ways here. Yes, we have our big events from time to time. City Gate, we go feed the homeless and help with the homeless. Yes, uh, we had like summer community celebration last year. Those are the big events, but also help in small ways. You have brothers and sisters in this church that you can simply do something that is a lost art of a handwritten encouragement note. Send it to them. Encourage them. Build them up. You know they're going through difficulty? You haven't seen them for a while? Send them a note and say, hey, been thinking of you. Haven't seen you. Would love to see you again. Let's get together. Big and small ways. Support the needs that you know are around you. And yes, serving is one of those ways. We do need volunteers in different areas of church. As you know, this is a volunteer push month. Uh, in your bulletin, uh, there's the insert for areas that we have needs. We can't do a Wednesday night program for children if we don't have volunteers. We can't do other things if we don't have volunteers. Prayerfully consider going a little bit further this year. Maybe you've only served with like one or two events during the years of the church. Maybe this is the year that you cross that line and actually make a bigger commitment with serving for something that's maybe a little more regimented, that's weekly or biweekly or monthly or whatever. I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's between you and the Lord. But our church does this, not for the sake of doing good stuff, but of growing together in our partnership for the mission that our church has, just like Paul had with this church of Philippi that he felt such a deep affection for, knowing they were doing exactly and experiencing exactly what he was going through. Let's pray. Father, as we close out our time this morning, uh, we thank you for your word that it is still true and relevant. We thank you for the fact that we see Paul and this affection for this church that was imperfect, just like he was imperfect, yet he saw them as partners, serving and suffering together. And yet in the midst of it, Lord, he had joy thinking of them. He didn't think of the ugliness that happened when he was in Philippi. He thought of what you were doing and what you had done. And so, Lord, we pray for that here. We pray that you would bond us together as a church. This is a country of differences and opinions, that we would lay our opinions down, that we would try to understand one another, that we would grow closer in partnership with one another as we keep focused on the only thing that really matters, and that is Jesus Christ not our opinions, not our differences. You matter, and people matter who don't know you. Burn within us the fire to see lives changed by you. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can send your prayer request into prayer at gfchurch.net, and we will pray for you. If you like this message, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app, Google or Spotify. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to seeing you next week.